Oh, boy. I got just the sermon for all of you unhappy people. No. Is everybody happy today? Well, uh, we should be. Wow, what a great weather weekend, right? Yeah. And thank God for the sunshine. And, And that is indeed a blessing, especially since we've had so much rain lately. But the rain's a blessing, too. It uh, help us into summer, won't it? We've been talking about survivor and how to be a survivor. You know, life, as we have discussed throughout this series, life has a way of bringing challenges. And sometimes those challenges can even be severe. We call them a crisis. There are crisis moments, even crisis challenges in our lives, and talked about ways in which we can face those challenges and come out on the positive side, come out, as it were, even a survivor. I think that it's important for all of us to understand that we all face challenges. Matter of fact, in First Church, everybody repeat that word. Everybody say, challenges. Yeah, that, that's, that's a big word here. And everyone faces them, no matter what your station in life is, no matter what's going on, no matter who your family is or your lineage, everybody faces challenges. And so I wanted to bring a series where we talked about that, not just about facing the challenges, but then how do we, how do we survive them? I think it's important. You know, years ago in preaching, we didn't really understand or know this um, almost a new method of preaching in churches on the weekend experiences, and that is by doing things in series. Matter of fact, uh, some of you may remember, it seemed like every week was a standalone message, and so you would preach your Easter message, and everybody would go, Man, that was a great Easter sermon. And then the next week you would preach something else, and it would be not connected at all, and then it would go on through uh, the weeks that way. And, and, you know, I mean, there's still people that do that, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about it in that sense, but the problem with that, and something that I discovered as other people were beginning to, to preach more in series, is that um, a series helps us not only preach the message and say, okay, here's information, but it gives us the opportunity then over a couple of two or three weeks, we, we can unpack solutions for whatever it is that we, that we brought up. And, and, you know, used to we would preach and it would almost be, you know, there it is. Uh, God wants you to be a survivor. And then you sort of leave people with their hands open saying, well, then how? I mean, if God wants me to be a survivor, then give me some, some keys or some tools or something. Give me, give me some kind of information that will help me do just that. Just don't tell me I need to be a survivor. Give me an understanding on how to be a survivor. It was that. It was understanding that that really led me as a pastor to begin to preach in series, that you can unpack a subject in such a way that you don't just inform people that here is the issue, but then you have enough time over several weeks to then give them solutions to how to deal with that issue. And so we're going to talk about challenges in the Easter Sunday. We brought up the idea that 
that if you're going to survive the challenges in your life, you must first learn the art of endurance. You got to learn how to endure. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter two, been our uh, chapter twelve, where verse two has been our focus scripture, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame. He didn't enjoy the cross. It wasn't a picnic. But he endured the cross. He scorned its shame. But then it says, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we understand and know that on the other side of this tremendous crisis, on the other side of this tremendous challenge in the life of Jesus, he he understood that a better day was coming. And we see that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And the ultimate victory was won by Jesus because he endured the cross. He didn't quit. He didn't let the challenge of this crisis throw him into some type of weird funk where, where he throws his hands up and says, I can't do this. No, there was something about the joy set before him, knowing that a victory was coming. He was going to be a survivor. And I really have tried to portray that in such a way through this series to help all of us understand that whatever you're facing right now, you must wrap your mind around the reality that it doesn't end here. That there is a victory day coming. And that when we learn to endure the moment... And sometimes that moment is a day. Sometimes we have a bad week. Sometimes we have a bad month or a bad year. And I mentioned in, on Easter Sunday, sometimes we even might have a bad decade. How many of you have a decade in your life you thought, boy, I could probably do without that one? You know? I mean, a lot of us have have those times where it just feels like there was a protracted something that was happening in our life that we were trudging through that year after year after year, but then finally, finally we could say that we've laid that to rest, put that behind us. I believe that's what God wants us to focus on, to understand that whatever crisis you may be facing in your life, it's not going to end at that crisis, that there's a better day coming. That God intends on that circumstance to work toward the good for you in your life. You know, I mean, I think about things that have kept me awake at night. There have been circumstances in my life that caused me to have great anxiety. And I just felt like all was lost. And there was absolutely no way that I was going to come out of this thing. That everything I'd worked for, everything that I believed in was crumbling at my feet. And I'm waking up in the middle of the night. And I've got chest pains and cold sweats. And, and I'm wrestling with this situation. And I can, I can name several situations like that in my life that aren't even on the radar of my life today. Don't even think about them. They kept me awake at night. But somehow or another, God saw me through that. And now that which I was so upset about has absolutely no bearing or no consequence on my life. Matter of fact, it's at those moments that you almost, almost want to just go on Facebook or something or tweet out just, 
I'm still here. Just for whoever. For whoever's out there. Now, I don't suggest doing that. But the reality of it is, you just, you just say, man, man, I didn't think I was going to be standing. Matter of fact, there were even people that didn't think that I was going to be standing. But yet, here I am. That somehow or another, that thing that kept me so much in turmoil doesn't even have a bearing on my life today. I survived it. I was a survivor. And I've, and I've learned in life that this key, this one key from the cross, that, that Jesus Christ endured the cross. And there's a lot of verses in the New Testament about persevering, enduring, staying in there, not quitting. It's an important factor, but... But then how do I do that? that? See, that's where the series comes in. Because, okay, great, Pastor, on Easter Sunday you told us we needed to endure. But I have no clue as to how to endure. And so I've brought some, some things that I feel and in prayer really felt that the word of the Lord reveals to us that are important keys to helping us endure. And the first one that I brought was the, the idea that we have to surround ourselves with the right team. That every one of us needs people in our life that, that, that can speak life into us, that can help us, that can, that can be there with us to hold us up or maybe even to, um, to hold us down. I mean, I, I made this point, I think it's a very important point, that there are moments of solitude. There are moments where we, where we have to... Uh, be alone, but, but we shouldn't make a career out of being alone. God did not create us as islands. He created us as relational beings. And there is something very powerful that happens in our lives when we foster healthy relationships. Where we have people in our lives that are on our team. But it's very important for us to realize that those people don't need to be sympathizers. You, you, if you're having a pity party, you don't need somebody else to bring their pity party to your pity party. Some of them have. I mean, if you're having a pity party, you need, to, you need to inject somebody into your pity party that's not having a pity party that can maybe look at you and say, hey, chin up. Somebody that can encourage you. Somebody that can speak life into you, not just sympathize with you, but encourage you. And I think that's very important for us to surround ourselves with the right team. Last week we talked about deliberation, that, that one of the keys to really being an overcomer is to learn how to deliberate in prayer. You know what I mean? We serve the God of all answers. We serve the God with all strength. And as that old song says, what peace we forfeit, what strength we give up when we don't take it to the Lord in prayer. But then I, I talked about that we have to deliberate in the Word. And those two items are off times, those moments where we're spending time in, 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 in a solitary place, meditating and thinking about what does the Word of God say about your trouble? What does the Word of God say about your sickness? What does the Word of God say about your challenge? Discover what it says. Read into your life those verses that, that speak about overcoming and about joy and about the peace of God. 
Read those things into your life from the Word of God and deliberate on the Word of God. But then I said we need to deliberate with, among the counsel of advisors in our life. And to me, advisors are a little different than that right team because that, that right team is kind of a peer group, people that are kind of on your same level. But, but that advisor group is somebody that you look up to, somebody that may not be in that peer group, but, but that when they speak, you know, they speak with authority and speak with with wise counsel, and there are, there are many of those available in, in the professional realm even, that you talk about a pastor, or going to a pastor and asking for counsel, or, or going to a, a, a Christian counselor and asking for counsel. There's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, it's a gift. I've got friends who are counselors, and they are tremendous gifts to the body of Christ because they've been trained to help people deal with challenges. Sometimes that wise counsel can say things to you that, that nobody else can say and you'll listen to them. There have been times where, you know, I really wanted to do something and I'd call my pastor and ask his counsel concerning that challenge and he'd say something like this, <laughs> No, you're not going to do that. Well, I'm... 40-whatever years old, I bet you I can do it if I want to. Yeah. But as John Maxwell says, every one of us needs somebody in our lives to remind us to have water in the bucket on the way to the fire and not gasoline. Somebody that can inspect your buckets. Somebody that can, that can tell you you might need to take that Facebook post down. That's a gasoline. That's a gasoline bucket. That's not a water bucket. Somebody that can keep you from making that phone call or sending that email. Come on, somebody, help me out. Wise counsel. See, when you're going through crisis, it's good to, to in, involve in your life people who can see a bigger picture than you're seeing at that moment. Maybe can offer some advice that could, that could help you. Today is the last day of this series, and, and, and I want to bring an idea beyond that, that, you know, it might be surprising to some of you that this, this really is a key to how to overcome a challenge in your life and become a survivor. It really is a key. Another way to survive through endurance is to serve somebody else. To serve somebody else. So, I mean, this may seem, this may seem difficult, but when you are going through crisis, one of the best ways to receive life is to give life. To someone else. Going back to the bad day Jesus had on the cross. Let's look at Luke 23, uh, 39. And we're going to look at this from that perspective. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Yeah, and when you're going through crisis, there is usually somebody around you that's hurling insults. 
But then I, I want you to notice, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for We are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Here is this man that is facing another crisis as well. And this man is testifying to the fact that Jesus Christ was innocent of the charges that were brought against him. And I don't don't know, you'd have to really read between the lines to figure out who this other criminal is. But one thing for sure, he knew enough about Jesus to know that Jesus was being hung unmercifully and unjustly. He knew enough about Jesus to know that Jesus didn't deserve what Jesus was going through. But yet in the midst of all of that, this man began to speak life toward what was happening in the life of Jesus. But then, but then check this out. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here is Jesus hanging on the cross, bleeding. And in the middle of this enormous crisis in his life, what does he do? He gives life to someone else who's going through the same thing. See, maybe I should say it like this. There's no greater healing that can come to our lives when we're bleeding than when we help somebody else who is bleeding. We touch the life of someone else who is also hurting. See, there's a lesson to be learned here. When you are going through a struggle, help someone who is experiencing a struggle and you will find life. There's this reciprocal life thing going on that when we serve others, it it serves something within us that life begins to flow back our direction. Maybe I should say it like this. Instead of focusing on yourself, help others. Look for someone you can help when you're facing a crisis. See, there's a tremendous key to strength and happiness in the principle of serving I think this is why we've been given grace gifts. When you read 1 Peter 4.10, you know, we've, we've always looked at one side of that, uh, of this verse. Let's read the verse real quick. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We've already talked in this series even about the side of this verse that demonstrates that we can't do life alone because when we do, we forfeit the benefit of other people's grace gifts flowing in our life. That, that when I shut you off, I don't give you the opportunity to minister my direction. We've really talked a lot about that to us idea of body ministry. But I want to flip that coin and help us see that there is a personal benefit when we allow our grace gifts to flow from us. That something happens when we allow our grace gifts to not be not be bound behind walls, but when we open our heart and let the grace gifts that we have flow from us, there is a tremendous blessing that has a way of flowing itself back into our lives. Matter of fact, when you shut down, the flow stops. And the benefits of that flow stop as well. There are three things that I want to specifically say about serving in crisis. And the number one thing is this, that it distracts us from our own needs. 
There's a tremendous benefit when I stop focusing just on what's going on in my life and I start trying to help you with what's going on in your life. It just, it just has a way of helping me not be so locked into this crisis moment. I mean, I have the opportunity to pastor and have the opportunity to kind of do this a lot. I mean, I can attest to the fact that there have been many crises in my life. I know that may come as a shock to you, but pastors have problems too. And I can't tell you the tremendous benefit when I've been struggling in my circumstance through the week, but something in the back of my head is pinging. You know, come Sunday morning, those folks are going to expect you to have your act together. And it's almost like a mini vacation from my trouble when I start focusing on how am I going to minister to people this week? What am I going to say? How am I going to... And it's amazing how that, how that it, you know, when I help other people, it, it, it helps distract me from, this, from being locked into this circumstance. That's a crisis circumstance. has really kind of got me by the throat. Another thing... Serving in crisis does it. It helps us see the solution in our life. So here's the problem. When you're going through a crisis, you become solution blind in your own life. It's the truth. It's like, man, when I get in a hole, I can't see anything but the walls. I can't see any solution out. And when we help other people who are facing similar circumstances in their life, it's amazing how as we give them advice, we say, well, you know what? There's a ladder there. Well, I, I didn't see the ladder. And you're thinking in the back of your head, well, I didn't see the ladder in my own hole either. But I'm thinking there might be a way out. Matter of fact, I mean, I can attest this one. There have, been, there have been circumstances in my life that I was facing and I did not know what the solution was. And people came to me seeking advice concerning their problem. And by the time I got through, I figured out a way for them to be, to, to be helped a little. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I can use that same thing in my own life. I just gave them an answer that's good for me too. I just ministered an answer to them. That's the very thing that I need in my life. It even happens when I preach. I mean, you know, you said if you point with one finger, you have at least three fingers coming back at you. You know what I'm saying? So, man, while you're preaching, and suddenly you realize, dude, I am preaching to the people exactly what I need to happen in my own life. I mean, especially if you, if you, you, know, if you get called upon to preach some type of marriage thing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you start, you start thinking, man, I'm a, you know, you know, before that session, you, you know, the day before, you'd be like, you'd be like, you'd be like going up to Raylene saying, honey, give me a kiss. She's being like, yeah, you're talking about showing affection to your wife tomorrow, aren't you? You know, anyway, that's it. Some of y'all catch up. Sonny, you find, you find an answer that might just, might just help you in your situation. Thank you, so man, I need to put that into practice. Another thing, the third thing that, that, that serving others in crisis will help you do, it allows you to put everything in perspective. 
When you're going through a bad day, it's easy to lose perspective. Matter of fact, matter of fact, you think it's worse than it is. You don't see any light. Matter of fact, you feel like no one has ever even faced something like this. In crisis, we tend to sing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. When you start helping someone in crisis, suddenly you realize maybe they have seen some trouble. Going on missions trips helps out. You, you guys know I go to the Philippines every year, and, and in my office I have this picture. This picture was given to me by, by um, um, the, the Filipino pastors. The first trip I ever took to the Philippines. First trip. I mean, I never, I'm, you know, you, you, can't, you can't really get over the difference between leaving a first world country and the comforts of everything that we have here and, and, and going and going to a third world country where, where, they, where they, don't, they don't have a lot. This picture is, is um, important to me because it's a picture of me teaching a, a cell group in a home. This home has slat bamboo floors with about one-inch cracks between them, and the walls um, are, are just made of lattice. They're just open. This is a group of young men that several of them live in this home. And, and, and Pastor James, one of our pastors, is there interpreting for me. And, and what's so significant to me about this picture is that, is that here I am, and I'm, I'm teaching them from Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you. Plans are good and to not harm you. That's what I'm teaching them. But what you don't see in this picture is what's below our feet. See, about 10 feet down, these, this home is built on stilts, on bamboo stilts. And about 10 feet down through, you can see here in this picture, you can see the slat floor. What you don't realize is under there is uh, uh, several feet deep of a mixture of rainwater and ocean water and trash and sewage. It's a cauldron. Matter of fact, it's a disease-ridden cauldron of years and years and years of sewage. It's just run down in through there and no running water in these homes. And you have to carefully walk on these bamboo sidewalks that they've, that they've placed to, to get out over the water and you carefully step and the Filipinos will, will stay, now step here and now step here and they'll walk along that and tell you where to step as to not have you fall through. Because it's just this disease-ridden cesspool that these, that these people, they live over that. And the stench in the 90 to 95 degree weather, the stench of that wafts its way up into their homes and up, up through those slats. And I'm sitting here in that place on top of a sewage, top of a sewage thing. I'm sitting there and I'm teaching these young Filipinos that God has a good plan for your life. But see, I get to come home. When I walk off, off that airplane and I get in that car and I drive to that house, my problems don't seem as big.
my world doesn't seem as unhappy. I'm going to leave this picture on the edge of the platform if you'd like to get a closer look at it. But I will tell you this, that when you help somebody in crisis, it helps you understand that you're not alone in crisis. And that maybe, just maybe, your life isn't as bad as you were thinking it is. Maybe, just maybe. I mean, I, I love, I love uh, what we do as a church with our Next Steps program and, and our, our vision statement, love God, connect with others, and serve with excellence. And, and we really feel that our job as a church is to help you help others. really feel that's our job because I am convinced that when you help others you get help 2 Corinthians 1 3 and 4 says praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort now listen to this who comforts us in all our troubles listen so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. There's this ebb and flow. There's this back and forth that God comforts me for me to comfort you, for you to comfort me, because that's the way the comfort of God works in our lives. And there's a promise in the Word of God that when we are willing to help others, when we are willing to serve others, we ourselves are served. And God himself shows up. Isaiah 58 verse 10 says like this. We kind of land right in the middle of a conversation that God is having with the people. But I want you to specifically look at the 10th and 11th verse with me. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light. Now wait a minute. (laughs) He didn't say their light. He said if you'll do this. If you will spend your time ministering and serving others, your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday and the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. He said, man, if you'll learn the value of serving others, your light is going to shine in darkness. Something's going to happen in your scorched land. There's going to be a well spring up in your life. But all of that comes on the heels of your willingness to understand that one way that I can endure It's to serve others because while I am serving others, I am served as well. One of the worst things we can do in crisis is to shut down and shut out. We find comfort from God as we distribute comfort from God. So as you stand with me today, Can I say that you are called by God to come alongside another struggler? And there are two primary ways we do this. Are y'all ready? First, you do it through your gifts and your passions. That's why we do 
Next Steps 201 to help you discover your gifts and your passions. Why? Because we feel like God has called us to help you help others. And the only way that you're, that, or the a primary way that you're going to learn to help others is through what you already got going on. What are you gifted to do? What are you passionate about? When you discover those gifts and passions, and we help you do that in Growth Track or in Next Steps 201, we help you do that. When you discover your gifts and your passions, then you're more equipped to serve others. And then don't forget, and that by serving others, you are served as well. I think that's important. But, but, but th- this is the one that might surprise you. Another way that we come alongside another struggler is through our mess-ups. Oh my. I was taught in Western Christianity that when you mess up, you're disqualified. That's as wrong as wrong can get. We got a whole Bible full of people that God used mightily after they messed up. We got a whole Bible of that. Where Here's these people with these tremendous mess-ups in their life. And yet somehow or another, they landed in the Hall of Fame for the heroes of faith. Somehow or another, they landed writing Bible. Somehow or another, <laughs> somehow or another, God used them to do miraculous and marvelous things even after they messed up. Even after they messed up. You know what? The reality is this. Some of the greatest ministry takes place when we minister from our own hurt when we minister from our own goof-ups, when we minister from our own struggles. I'll tell you this, I've been forthright through the years after, after having faced depression the way I faced depression several years ago. I mean, where I was not getting out of the bed, where the curtains were closed and there was no light coming in the room, and where my wife was having to call my pastor saying, you might ought to text him, I don't think he's getting up today. And my phone would blip and I'd roll over in the darkness of that bedroom and I'd look at that text and it would be from Pastor Brett and it would say this, Hey, Pastor Rob, I just checked the weather in Tulsa and according to, to the, weather in, the weatherman for Tulsa, uh, it's sunny today. You might already get up and go outside. I'll never forget a text he sent me one time that said this, Hey, Pastor Rob, Heard you shut down in your bedroom today. If you don't get up, I'm going to be on an airplane in two hours to come get you up. That was those advisors and the people on the right team, right? You say, man, Pastor, you shouldn't admit that. I thought you were a preacher of faith and deliverance. Hey, I believe in healing. I believe in deliverance. And I am a faith preacher. But let me tell you something. I was in a crisis that I couldn't see a solution. But did you know since... Since I went through that depression, it is amazing how many people who are in depression that God has used me to help them come out of depression. Matter of fact, one of the, one of the greatest books written concerning that is called The Wounded Healer by Henry Nouwen. And Henry Nouwen made this statement concerning, he says, really, the only way to show somebody out of the desert is to have been in the desert yourself. Really, the only way to minister to someone with wounds is to be able to say, see, here are my hands, and see, here is my side. Check out my feet. I've been crucified. I'm a wounded healer. I I don't mind standing here today and telling you I'm a wounded healer. 
But God has used those wounds in my life to minister to people in a way that I never could have ministered to them if I hadn't have gone in that desert myself. But I've looked at people who are facing great depression. I've said, hey, listen, there's a way. I've walked into their desert and said, there's a way out of this desert if you'll follow me. If you'll follow me. And you know what I did for some of those people? I reached in my desk drawer and opened the drawer and pulled out a card of a Christian counselor from Life Connection Counseling Services. And I said, your first step out of this desert is for you to go seek help. You need, you need to go get counseling. You say, Pastor, I can't believe you do that. You want to know why? Because there was a time in my life that the only way out for me was to go seek a counselor. Somebody that was trained professionally to explain to me how to get out. How do I get out of this? Uh, some of the greatest source of ministry in your life will be from your, per- from your pain and your hurts and your mess-ups. Stop saying God can't use this. Yes, God can use that. We'll learn that secret. We will learn to endure in Jesus' name. Bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray collectively for us all in a moment. But if you're in this house right now and you need a fresh start, you say, Pastor, I need to make a commitment to the Lord either for the first time or or, or for a subsequent time. But I'd like a fresh start and rededicate my life or dedicate my life to the Lord today. Would you just slip a hand up and wave at me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray with you. I want the church to pray with you. Hands up, hands up, hands up. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. You put your hands down now. Church, would you pray with me right now with these that raise their hands so there'd be no no embarrassment, so nobody will know who did that. Let's just pray together. Say, Father, I thank you for this opportunity that I have to dedicate my life. I ask you to help me. I I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to touch my heart. Today, I... I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and that God raised him from the dead. I thank you for saving me and for giving me strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap our hands to those that did that prayer with us. Keep your heads bowed for a second. Father, I declare your blessing over every life, over every heart, over every person. I speak life right now into their circumstance, into their life. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for your hand of mercy and grace that is flowing and moving in their lives. And I pray that something was said today to help somebody deal with their crisis. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. There are, there are three ways to give here at Triumph, and we end our services receiving an offering, back, giving back to God.